it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Papa Long John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes to chase proud crappie or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop in the Radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Thank you, Buck Larson and Southern California. Welcome to Rod and Real Radio. I am your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and we want to welcome you to the show. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. You know, in this year, 2015, that we've been talking about exceptional and sometimes record catches. We have a show for you tonight that, you know, even exceeds that. We're going to talk to uh, Captain Chuck Taft from uh, Sea Adventure Sports Fishing. He went out on a trip on Thursday of last week. They had an exceptional catch. We're going to catch up with him on just exactly what we did. And then later at 640, we're going to have Mr. Ben Heath with us. Ben Heath has caught what is believed to be the largest fish ever weighed in at the San Diego Marlin Club. And in San Diego, we're going to get the story about that. And then sandwiched in between, we're going to do a little fresh water. We've got Billy Skinner from Arizona with us. Billy Skinner is a fisherman exceptional. He's kind of passing up on tournament fishing now and going into producing his own television series. So we're going to catch up with Billy. We're going to give you all the latest news, too. But before we do that, let me introduce to you the co-host of Rod and Reel Radio. He is the voice of 1-800-BASS-BOAT and a real good fisherman in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how you doing, sir? Good evening, everybody. I'm doing great. Uh, it's just another week of un- unbelievable things that are happening off our coast, and it, I, I just I can't wait to talk to some of these guys. This has just been a phenomenal year. Wendy was out trolling around last week. So she said wanted to get her first Wahoo in her boat. I think she needs to go there get, her, get herself one of those Ballyhood, um, uh, it's called the Banshee. I call them cowbells because you can troll at high speed, and these fish like high speed, and, and and just go start trolling for Wahoo off her coastline there, a little bit further north. Wow. Well, hey, let's get right to the meat of this thing because we've got a fellow with us that took the legend out of H&M Landing out on Thursday. He's a regular guest with us on Ron Real Radio, but what an exceptional trip they had. Chuck Taft, Captain Chuck, how you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing really good. I got Steve on the other line that was part of this. My son, who is another licensed operator on the boat, he's here to chime in. Cool. <laughs> so, 
what happened here, Chuck? I mean, this was pretty amazing. Uh, we've been kicking this around, you know, Bobby and I and you. We were talking about it a couple months back. Well, what it boiled down to is I had a one-day trip on Wednesday, and I heard of a couple more fish being caught here and there. And I called. Stephen was working with me on the one-day trip. We had limited tuna. We had a phenomenal trip. And I looked at him and said, Sam, would you like to go try and catch a wahoo? You've never caught one. I've never caught one. And lo and behold, uh, we decided to put a crew trip together. Um, the crew went with us, Rick Scott, and two of my best friends that I grew up with. We all went on a crew trip. So how far did you have to go on this crew trip? <laughs> well, if you really want to get technical, we were 13.1 miles from San Diego when Stephen yelled hook up and he had the first one on. You know, now you, you were just trolling around any particular weapon you had in the water there? Go ahead, Steve, tell them what you were trolling. Uh, the first one we got was on the cowbell, uh, and that was hitting pretty good all day. That doggone bait, it's amazing. <laughs> How fast are you trolling? We weren't trolling very fast. Um, we had nine stops for the day. Everyone was on a sonar school. And when we got bit on the first stop, it was like 6.32 in the morning. Uh, Steve had the fish on. Rick Scott and me each hung a bait fish. So uh, Rick hooked his on a jig, and I got mine on a bomber, Wahoo bomber. What we need to tell the people is what we're talking about here is they're 13 miles from San Diego, and they're trolling for Wahoo and targeting a fish that's not in our waters. And and, and your first one, you're 13 miles away. What time in the morning was that? 6.32 we got bit. <laughs> you know, Barely gray light. Chuck, I, I've been with you on trips before when you said, you know, guys, what what most of the people have been doing haven't hasn't been working. So let's go out and do something different. And we've gone out and done something different. You've done it more than once on trips that I've been in, and we've had successful trips. So what led you to go out and target Wahoo and and tell us about the makeup of this group that you took with you? Well, the makeup of the group we actually had Pat Doherty who runs both for me. We had Marcus who has his license for me. We have Eddie Mao, who cooks and has his license. Uh, Rick Scott, who owns the Odyssey and runs the Odyssey, was with us. Steven has his license. Um, and then I had uh, the two deckhands that work on the legend with us. And then I had Bob Smersel and I had Travis, my two of my best friends, that helped me do everything on the boat from welding to mechanical and everything else on the boat and that was our 10 people and the trip set off for me to go try to catch a fish for my son and me because there was eight of us on the boat that had never caught a wasu wow. eight out of ten now what what led you to go where you had gone had you had some preliminary reports where was there some scouting information uh, with uh, uh, from air or, or what led you to do what you did Really, um, Hunch, um, the, I know that the Premier was running a couple three-quarter-day trips, and they went through the middle grounds and caught a fish. 
about three weeks ago. I knew there was fish down on the rock pile. There's been a few fish caught in the rock pile. Uh, I knew they were catching fish outside the Thousand Fathom Curve outside of North Island, and I just had a feeling that uh, we could find fish on the inside where we started. And the trouble, I think, the difference being is we were well prepared. Um, we left the dock, um, and everybody was wired up. We took two old hooks with Beecham wire and put two old hooks on rods. Uh, Steve put a couple bombers on. Uh, Rick put a couple of jigs on. I don't remember what kind of jig. Steve probably knows what kind of jig they put on. And uh, he was fishing raiders. He was Perfect. fishing a raider jig. And, Perfect. And we had sardine in the tank, and we chummed the fish. And when Stephen got bit and had his fish on, he was whining, and we started chumming. And I told Rick, I said, there goes a fish flashing through the corner. And um, lo and behold, Rick got bit, and I casted out a bomber, and I got bit. And I love the story. Pat, Pat got short bit on another one, and by a quarter to seven, we had three water in the boat. <laughs> wow. Oh, that is fantastic. Now, Captain Chuck, uh, you know, Wahoo is not something that we see in our waters often, and to try and get one, even if you're on the long-range boats, man, it, it's really a premium fish to catch. I understand, though, that during the course of this trip, you hooked up a bunch of these, but only brought a few of them in. Am I right on that? Well, now wait a minute, John. <laughs> Stephen, what do you consider a few? 29 a few? <laughs> um, well, the highest boat other than that before on the season was eight total, so it's a few. Well, I heard a rumor that you had you had a bunch of fish on, and yeah, 29 is a great, don't, don't get me wrong, but you wound up losing some fish, too. Is that correct? Yes, we did. We had the first stop, and after that, we went about 15 minutes and got another jig strike uh, and caught two more. By 7.15, we had seven Wahoo on the boat. <laughs> you know, but this, this is just phenomenally fun. I, 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 I'm smiling ear to ear here because... Long-range guys know. You know, you you could hook 13 and land one uh, if you're down below there on, on a really good bite at Alejos Rocks or something like that. To have a boat come out of San Diego, 13 miles from, from home, and, and start banging away on these fish that are so prized among the fleet. You know, the long-range guys, my guys probably spend more money to catch one wahoo than they do on the trip. Um, it's just one of those fish that, that you're going to hook a bunch and land a few, uh, if you're lucky, sometimes the numbers go up. Sometimes they just eat the baits the right way, and and it's that's good. But normally, on a group of guys, if you got 30 guys in a boat and you had 29 of 29 fish caught, you had a pretty good trip. <laughs> so to have 10 guys and have uh, that many fish, especially that close, and have that kind of excess of of, of that fish in the area, because the wolf pack style fishing, you know, you're you'll get a bunch of them in one spot, and then travel around. You'll find another pack of them in another spot. But it sounds like you were just going from from wolfpack to wolfpack, or there was a large body of fish in the area. Well, we caught fish, um, not like I said, nine different spots. Stephen can tell you about the next spot. It was a sonar school that just lit up the whole screen. Really? Go ahead, Steve. 
Oh, yeah, the next stop, uh, we got a video of that actually up on our Facebook where uh, we had our troll fish that, uh, that we sonared and went over, and then four or five guys hooked up on video right there. It's unbelievable. <laughs> wow. Now, now, Steve, while you were out there, was there any bycatch of anything else, uh, or was this uh, pure wahoo fishing? Uh, we caught a couple bonita later in the trip, when, but when we were going for the wahoo in the morning, it was strictly wahoo. Steve, did you find out, did you have trouble with the uh, the seals on these wahoo like uh, you have when you start when you go after yellowtail or other species of fish around the island? You know, when uh, when I was bringing in one of mine to the boat, a seal came up at its tail and the uh, who turned on it real quick and I <laughs> hadn't seen a seal run so fast in my entire life. <laughs> it was it was pretty terrified of the wahoo. Uh, hey, uh, I did lose a fish to a seal though. Uh, okay. Um, Chuck, what was the largest fish uh, that you, you got in this grouping? 76 pounds, and the <laughs> smallest one was 36. Wow, that's just phenomenally great fishing, buddy. Well, uh, you ain't heard the best of it. Um, ask Stephen how many he caught on his first day he ever caught a wahoo. <laughs> me and, how me many and Rick Steve? got both limited out. We both got five, me and Rick. Oh, <laughs> That is That's phenomenal. Great. Now, Chuck, are you going to be running uh, Wahoo trips out of Sea Adventure Sports Fishing and <laughs> H&M Landing now? Or, what, well, what, we're, we're scheduled to run it, but I don't know how it's going to work because uh, the three-quarter day boat has put himself online now that we've done it. Uh, the Condor, the Pacific Queen, the Tribute. Um, there's like six boats now that want to try to do this because we set it up as a Wahoo Yellowtail trip. So I don't know what's going to happen out of it. I know the experience that we had. I think the biggest thing that people should take out of this on their private boats and stuff is that these fish screw up. These fish come to the corner. They come up and boil. Uh, A couple of Stevens fish that he hooked on the bomb, he was within four or five feet of the boat when he got bit with these fish. One, he uh, was almost ready to lift the bomb out of the water and he got bit. Yeah, well, that, that's a point here we need to talk about. That's a, a good thing to bring up. One of the things, because when we did our, we do our Wahoo seminars, is we tell the people when you're, because this, everybody gets all hot and bothered. You can't help it, man. Your blood's up, and you're reeling as fast as you can, and these fish, they like to short line a bait right by the boat just before it goes under the boat or tries to get away. So they'll eat it. I mean, they'll short line right on the end of the rod tip a lot of time. But what you got to do, if you, and the people out there have to know, when you're winding your jigs in or your bombs in, when you get to the boat, kill the bait and let it just drop and, and go still at the rod tip before you lift it onto the boat. If you come in at speed and these things are coming at speed behind it and you pull it out of the water uh, and bring it over the rail, that fish follows that bait a lot of the time and they'll come dying after that bait and it'd be in the boat on you they can take off an arm or hit you in the body and then they'll hurt people and and you'll end up losing the day in an arm and, and trying to get back to, to the shore instead of fishing so when you're anytime you're reeling in a bomb or iron kill the bait at the boat let it sink down and stop before you pull it out of water and you'll save a lot of, of uh, misery if you happen to have one of those fish flying into the boat with you boy yeah. We had three stops where we had seven or eight going at a time. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, and, that's incredible, Chuck. I mean, that's just, this is the coolest story I think we've had on the air. 
it was uh, it was like Stephen said uh, earlier. Uh, the whole we had everybody hooked, but the guy that was standing on the tank. And then it was a matter of, well, if one spits its hook, then somebody else can come gap the other guy's fish. Boy, you know, Chuck, we, you know, I know this is a sensational catch, but we also have to emphasize that Sea Adventure Sports Fishing, right now you are experiencing a tremendous season when it comes to lobster hooping, and, and those trips are, are going out almost filled, and the guys are coming back with, with pretty close to limits. Um, it, we've had some really, really good nights. The last couple nights, the current's been screaming, but we're catching 14, 15 fish, 14, 15 lobster a night, plus 60, 70 shorts per boat. So, uh, the amount of lobsters we're seeing and stuff is unbelievable this year. And the thing being, I was kind of worried that the hot water might screw us up, but from what I've been told by the biologists and stuff, this hot water has made the lobsters molt an extra time, so they have actually grown an extra quarter of an inch this year. Wow. wow. You know, Chuck, if we want to keep tabs of what's happening with Sea Adventure Sports Fishing, the Legend, uh, the Sea Adventure 2, the Alicia, the Jig Strike, how's the best way to go about doing that? Steve, go ahead and tell them the best way. Yeah, you guys can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash seaadventuresportfishing. Um, or you can just type in and search Sea Adventure Sport Fishing when you're on Facebook. And the Legend has its own page now, so you can search Legend Sport Fishing on Facebook. And we're updating with pictures and videos of all the wahoo, lobster, tuna, everything. Now, Steve, you mentioned that there was a video that you took on this uh, trip. Uh, where can you view that video? Uh, that's viewable on our Facebook. And which uh, Facebook? At, uh, at Sea Adventure Sports Fishing or at Legend Sport uh, or what? Uh, one of the videos is on both of them, and the video of me and Chuck actually catching our first Wahoo ever is on Sea Adventure Sport Fishing's Facebook. Right. Hey, Chuck, i got to thank you, too. Uh, we did a video on the trip uh, that we went out with on Pat, uh, the Sea Adventure 2. On the, we had a tremendous yellowfin bite, and we posted uh, that video on to uh, uh, Pat Doherty's site. And uh, if uh, I think, Steve, you've got a copy of that. and. It's on also Rod Real Radio. Uh, so uh, some great videos from Sea Adventure Sports Fishing of great yellow uh, fin fishing and now Wahoo fishing, guys. Uh, just congratulations on a fantastic season. Hey, Stan. Yes, sir. How many people do you think have looked at this Wahoo video? How many people have, do I think have looked at that? Yeah, out of curiosity. Uh, you know, gosh, 500? I don't know. Stephen, tell them how many have looked at it. I think it's got 20,000 clicks in the last <laughs> Holy mackerel. Well, you know, uh, it's on the Ron Real Radio site, and I know just on that site there's uh, over 700 uh, yeah. views on it. And so, uh, and then I know there's a few other places where it is. So, man, what, what a great what? way People to continue the season. Crazy or what? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that you will ever top that, but I think the the targeting of the fish, Chuck, was brilliant. I love the fact he went out and tried to get them and got them. I think the fact the fact that they're running trips, the other boats are running trips to target that while they're in our area, because you can't catch one if you don't go, gang. If you have the shot and you want to try and catch the fish of a lifetime, because these don't come in here all the time. Um, I mean, it's time to go. They have other boats targeting that. I, it, when that big bluefin was here, they were both that targeted it every morning. They would go out and target that big bluefin when it was right off our coast four miles. To have this and that bluefin in the same year 
is phenomenal. So don't wait. Take your shot. Go and troll them up and throw at them and give yourself a shot to catch one of these fish. All I think right. the best compliment that I got out of it, it wasn't even a compliment trying to be given to me. Uh, when Roy Rose off the Royal Polaris called in to 976-Tuna and said, well, I guess we got 13 Wahoo. Uh, I think we did overran them on this trip down at Laos. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <coughs> Captain Steve Taft, Captain Chuck Taft from Sea Adventure Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. Guys, thanks a lot for being with us tonight and uh, relating to us a, just a great trip. I think there's a lot of people wishing that they could have come along, but it's not too late. You I can got still one, do I it. Got one more question. Go I was ahead. Thinking, what color that was? What color did they eat? What color on the uh, cowbell? Well, um, we had a purple colored one or silver purple. But yep. you got to understand, we had three triples. Steve, what did we have? Yeah, there are there are multiple, a lot of multiple strikes there. Good. We and we got bit on the marauders and what else? Uh, on the troll, just the Mars, but they're hitting the orange and black bomb. They're hitting the chrome raiders. They even hit a taddy. Perfect. Perfect. You know what? And they ate the bait, okay? <laughs> they ate the fly line bait. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys, uh, you have created this demand with trying to find a Marauder within 150 miles of San Diego is almost impossible. And you've got a whole generation of fishermen now that are digging down into Granddad's tackle box going, Marauder, I think I remember seeing that. About 20 years ago when I was going through the tackle, and they're trying to resurrect everything they can. Hey, Steve and Chuck, we're way over time, but thank you very much for being with us. Have a successful season, and we look forward to hearing your adventures as we go through this 2015 season. Thanks a lot for being with us, guys. No, well done, both of you guys. Well, well done. What was that, Chuck? I said good fishing to everybody. Don't put your rods up yet. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like a deal. Hey, we've gone way over time. This is Rod Wheel Radio. Stan Vandenberg's here. I'm Hopalong John. Coming up next, Phil Friedman. But uh, we got to take a commercial break. You're listening to Rod Wheel Radio on AM540. We'll be right back. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. 
Gabakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gabakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gabakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and to secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has a new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. Welcome back to the show, Southern California. Stan Vandenberg's with me tonight. I'm your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. And now it's time for What the Heck is Phil Thinking? Brought to you by the voice of PFO Radio, and I know he's got a dilemma tonight. Do I talk about Notre Dame football, or do I talk about Wahoo fishing? Let's find out what it's on his mind. Phil Friedman. Phil, how you doing tonight, sir? Uh, John, you know me way too well now. I was going to leave that out. I don't want to get any of the USC guys mad at me, but that was a great game. I have to tell you that up-and-down battle at any point, either team could have won that game, and it's what makes that rivalry so good. Guys like Bill Varney, the surf fishing expert, is a dyed-in-the-wool USC fan. And Bob Osborne, our partner over here, dyed-in-the-wool SC fan. Great fans. Great rivalry. I'm glad the Irish came out on top. I won't lie. And I'm hoping that they're going to edge up there into the top ten now. That was a great, great game to watch. All yep. right. Hey, hey, Phil, I've been reading your reports and listening to your blogs and listening to the reports that you've had from a lot of the skippers out here. We just had... Chuck and Steve Taft from uh, Legend, uh, that went out on Legend and Sea Adventure Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. 
talk about that tremendous catch they made last Thursday on Wahoo. But it seems like the Southern California area is going Wahoo crazy now. It really does. It's incredible. I mean, I was even out there the other day dragging marauders up and down outside of uh, Fathom Curve, outside the oil rig. Didn't come up with anything, but that doesn't say much. I've been behind a microphone way too many years <laughs> to, uh, to really be a, a true test on whether there's any wild around. But, John, you're so right. I mean, you look at the times we're living in right now, and we're catching Blue Marlin, Wahoo, and Big Dorado out of San Diego, and that is pretty incredible. And you can kick in some big yellows also. And on a lot of these trips, it's almost like clockwork. You can now catch a Wahoo. In fact, the three-quarter day boat, San Diego, out of Seaforth Sport Fishing, just announced that until the tuna get closer, they're going to be running coastal Wahoo and Yellowtail <laughs> trips. And there you have it. It doesn't even sound right, does it? I mean, it sounds like uh, something's gone wrong with these guys. Like, I've started drinking again or something. It's crazy. There's <laughs> stuff that's going on. But you look at the prowler. Buzz was out, and I, and I had a nice long conversation with him today. He was out, came up on a kelp, ended up with a buck 30 on the 5 to 10-pound yellowfin tuna, and then dragged a couple of marauders away from that paddy on his way out of there after he'd caught all those fish and caught two nice wahoo. During that whole thing, he had a 350-pound blue marlin come up and grab a guy's yellowfin tuna and eat it right off the end of his line. Incredible. Ten feet away from the prowler. And so that's what we're looking at. The Pacific Queen today may not have had a great two-day trip overall with a bunch of tuna or anything, but he had seven wahoo. That's pretty incredible. And over on the new low end, only 12 guys. And that's something else. Really light loads right now. Spectacular fishing. 20 Dorado, his smallest crop, probably 12, 15 pounds, his biggest pushing 30, a couple of Wahoo there also, and the San Diego, we just mentioned him, he had almost a buck 40 on the big yellow tail just the other day, so San Diego has gone absolutely crazy, and John, I heard you mentioning, people are looking around for marauders and Wahoo bombs and all of these things that we've never ever fished with locally in Southern California, and I know that uh, Joey Gallagher, who I went out with the other day, he was going from tackle store to tackle store asking for cowbells and marauders and people are looking at him like he's lost his mind also and uh, <laughs> it really has created a great and fun environment no question about it you know we were we were talking last week the last few weeks you know about the guys and you'll find these little kelps out there with with that small yellow fin on or the small um you know like five to eight pound fish that they've been catching and if you find that fish around there Wahoo loves to eat skipjack and that little t- that little tuna. That's when you start throwing something around there, uh, iron or whatever you got, wired up for the for the wahoo. And if you haven't got marauders are hard to find, go online to ballyhood.com or or see if you can get the catchy t- catchy baits, those catchy full baits and those cowbells from Ballyhood and and catchy. They're available online. You can get them and they'll ship them to you quick. Um, but because instead of hunting around, the tack shops are out. You know, a lot of the guys don't go to Ballyhood, but um, get a hold of Daryl over there. You can call him, and he can ship you the cowbells. Uh, he's got them. So that's one of the little tricks out there. And you, know, you can go out and you can troll at speed from kelp to kelp and troll around those things, and you got a shot at it, which is phenomenal that a three-quarter day boats or these boats are even targeting that fish in our waters now. You know, Phil, Phil what, what kind of a season is it that we figure a pesty fish 
like a blue marlin is going to come up and take away our tuna right up at gas. You know? Uh, <laughs> John, what kind of a season is it? It's that incredible. That's what this has become. And, you know, the, my friend Sean Morgan, he's one of the best marlin fishermen around, and he's too humble to tell you that. But last weekend, he had two blue marlin and three stripers up there at Santa Cruz Island in a single weekend of fishing here, way up there around Santa Cruz, and he had other guys around him catching blue marlin. It was really an incredible trip. He said he has never, ever seen anything like it. And the Osborne Banker at one time was a lot of blue marlin there, and there was excellent yellowfin tuna fishing for the L.A. Orange County base boats, but that has dried up, and all those guys are pointing at the Saners, by the way. The Saners got in there and really started to mop that place up, and they had a feeling that that was going to take a hit, and apparently it did. So L.A. Orange County base boats are kind of scrambling right now and in transition and looking for that new area of yellowfin tuna, Toronado, Thunderbird, boats like that in the 20 to 40 range on yellowfin tuna right now. And I can remember a time where 20 to 40 yellowfin tuna would have been a big deal here up in L.A. Orange County landings, but not this year. I mean, it's just our expectations are so high. We've seen so many incredible things that God knows what's going to be next. That's for sure. Maybe some poisonous sea snakes. Uh, in Ventura <laughs> County, on the like that might happen. And they taste like chicken, Phil. What can I tell you? Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, again, going on with the uh, just absurdity of this fishing season. You know, you just had the black and blue tournament down in Cabo, and this is probably the first year ever that those guys probably wished they were up here fishing for those fish because uh, uh, there's probably more fish up here right now than there is down there. I bet there are. I haven't talked to Sean, but he was on a private jet on Thursday flying to Cabo, and I and he was the guy that had those two blues and the three stripers up there at cruise, and I know he was thinking the same thing you're thinking. It's probably too hot down there, and I've been down in Cabo in the East Cape in years when the water gets too hot, and it's really devoid of life, and I think they may have gone through a little bit of that, although I'll talk to Sean here in the next day or so and try to get all uh, scooped up on that and find out. But Stan was mentioning, you know, those skipjack and bonita and the kind of fish that wahoo and other species feed on. And the rigs right out here off Huntington Beach earlier in the week produced excellent wahoo fishing. Some guys with three or four wahoo, uh, really excellent fishing out there. And I know that a couple of those rigs today, a bunch of skipjack moved into those rigs. So for private boaters that are listening to Rod and Reel Radio, those Huntington Beach rigs might be uh, worth a look. I worked it hard. Like I said, a couple of days ago with my son, Philip and Joey Gallagher, and we trolled up and down that fathom curve, and we kind of pointed out to the 14-mile bank looking for a kelp and worked probably about five, six hours before we headed back in. Uh, but, man, that place is going to go off again. The water's warm. It's purple. It looks good. And now there's skipjack and all that feed in there that those fish like to get on. And, God, you know, there might be some bigger marlin that show up there also because, Stan, as you well know, not only do Wahoo like to feed, on skipjack and yellowfin tuna, but blue marlin like to eat those and the dorado and everything else. And there is, by the way, John and Stan, there is yellowfin tuna up in the Channel Islands. Talking to Sean Stewart from the Aloha Spirit, Sean said a lot of yellowfin have moved in very, very close, and that area is looking very good. So the whole Southern California coast, you can go from below the Mexican border to up as far as Santa Cruz Island and beyond that, and you got a shot at Dorado, Wahoo, Blue Marlin, Yellowfin Tuna, and I still do not see an end in sight. Isn't that amazing, Phil? I mean, just talking about that, that small, that small yellowfin that's on the kelp patties, there's 
Bonita out there. There's uh, a lot of that little purple people eater running out there with the the uh, along with Dorado and those big blue marlin eat every one of them. We had on our five day trip. We had uh, a, about a 500 pound blue marlin underneath the kelp patty chewing on the Dorado. Um, you know, you got them coming up underneath the kelp patty eating that little yellowfin or the uh, the other baits that are around the, the kelp patties nowadays, it's pretty crazy what you can catch up here. It's kind of, well, this is pretty much the most epic year of my life. I, I can't think of another year that was anywhere near what we're seeing. You know, oh, I agree 100%. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's at the point now where when we were going the other day, uh, you know, we were on a Wahoo Do or Die mission, and guys were pointing out to us, hey, you can go over to, you know, Palos Verdes, the Trump golf course, and man, we caught 150 calico bass and big bass, and it was as good as you could possibly want it. There were some yellows there, and we're like, yeah, well, big deal. You know, we can, we can catch calico bass in here. We want a wahoo. We're, we're going skin fishing, man. That's what we're doing. And it's pretty incredible that you're passing on such epic calico fishing, yellowtail fishing, and so much more. That tells you how good it is this year. Well, that is, you know, and the people are just saving that fish for next year. The pressure's off that for the look at the pressure's off the white sea bass, the sand bass, and and the and the calico bass because everybody's trying something that they've never had a shot at doing. And look how many people have bought small boats. I mean, I know guys that are out there running all the way out to the islands and fifteen footers for God's sake, just trying to get some of these bigger fish. I mean, they've caught big. Blue fin out of the 15-footers. I saw they had marlin out of a 15-footer. Last week we had Kevin on. He's had a 17-foot ranger, and he's got a 300-pound blue on his 17-foot ranger. It, it's wide open crazy out there. You know, Phil, and with this marlin bite, I, I've got to tell you, in the course of three or four weeks when this bite really started, I've had a chance to talk to more guys that have marlin that I've had marlin on than I probably talked to in the past four years, and some of them have gotten a little criticism from people that are outside of the sport saying, "Well, how can you take such a majestic fish and all this type of stuff?" and And most of these fellows that have brought in these fish to weigh like uh, Sabatori and uh, Matson and and the guests that we're going to have later on. Uh, these fish unfortunately died before they could get them to the boat, and the guys brought them to the boat, and they figured, okay, let me figure out a way to get them into the scales, get them into the scales, and weigh them. But each and every one of them, they've said they could not believe how majestic this fish is, and that now what they're doing is they are investigating methods and techniques that when they get these fish on, that they can bring them in a lot quicker, that they can get them to leader and they can release them. Because each and every one of these guys that I've talked to that have brought in a marlin really didn't want to bring it into the scale, didn't want to kill it. Uh, they wanted to release it because they just could not uh, believe how majestic these animals were. So, uh, you know, the bite's going to continue. We're going to see more marlin coming in. But I tell you, it just shows on what empathy these fishermen have for the, uh, the resource that we're going out and catching right now. Yeah, John, you're right. I see the ethos changing in our sport big time. There's a lot of catch and release going on. And, yeah. and you know, there's a lot of taking home and eating your fish, too, and there's not a darn thing wrong with that either. But there is a real concern about taking care of the ocean and being good stewards of the sea, and that's a win-win. Got a text just a second ago from 
George running the victory out of Pierpoint Landing in Long Beach. Uh, about a dozen nice yellowtail and very good skipjack and bonita fishing here locally out of Pierpoint on the three-quarter day boat. I thought I'd drop that to you. All right. Hey, Phil, we're, we're going way over time on all our segments today, and I appreciate you taking some extra time to talk to us. If people want to find out what's happening with PFO Outdoors or the Spanish-speaking shows or to get in tuned in on your blogs and your special reports, how's the best way to do it? Well, first of all, you can join me on the one and only Rod and Reel Radio every Sunday, 5 to 7 p.m. on AM 540. Everybody knows that, I guess. They're listening. But you can also catch us at www.pfomedia.com as well as www.aventurasalarelibre.com. And we've got the schedules there. We're in Spanish on Friday evenings at 9 p.m. on AM 690. Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. We do a podcast here in English. And, of course, we've got English and Spanish websites updating the latest fishing info. And, of course, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the rest of social media, John. Hey, Phil, just quickly tell me about this because this is something that a lot of our uh, listeners have interest in. You uh, talked about on one of your blogs a no-motor tournament coming on up. Can you got a minute? You can talk to us about that? Yeah, no-motor uh, contest is going to be going on November 7th up in Carpinteria. And uh, you can get all the info by going to www.pfomedia.com. But essentially, it's no motor. So it's open to surf fishermen, kayakers, float tubers. They've got all kinds of great prizes. They have a great meal. It's a fun day. I was there last year. And it's really a blast. It's called the No Motor Tournament. And it'll be going on November the 7th. And once again, go to pfomedia.com. And we've got a post with the contact information, the schedule, as well as all the great raffle prizes. And they have thousands and thousands of dollars of great raffle prizes. So it's a great day, John. I'm looking forward to it again this year. All right, Phil. We're going to want to get up to speed on that. We want to thank you very much with Keep Us Current, what's happening up and down the coast. Uh, you just have a great Sunday evening. And I've got to say, go Notre Dame, huh? Hey, I'm, I'm with you there. Go Irish. Let's keep this ball rolling. And uh, we got Stanford coming up here pretty soon. That's going to be a very, very tough game. John, Stan, and everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. And it's always such a pleasure, John, to be on with you. Thank you, Phil. Always appreciate it. Hey, Phil, Stan and I. Start, man. Get back out there. Keep that troll bit in the water. You'll get one. <laughs> I'm going, man. I'll be out this week again. Go get him, buddy. Hey, Stan and I have to take a break right now. I don't know. I might leave Stan before the end of the show. He's, he's ready to go out there and get him right now. But this is Rod Real Radio on AM 540. Coming up next, the fish icon himself, Captain James Nelson. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of western plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. 
All Isoline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Isoline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gumkatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gumkatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gumkatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on our cheap hook. Get Gumkatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My Angler H2O. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here. And always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. We do want to walk back to Rod and Reel Radio. Stan and Hopalong, we're on the microphones tonight. Wendy is on a long-range trip, so I know she's going to have some stories to tell us when she gets back next Sunday night on Rod Real Radio. And now it's time for the fish icon himself with the Southern California Inshore Report, Captain James Nelson. Captain James, welcome to the show. Well, thanks again for having me, guys. Hey, uh, Captain James, are, are, uh, do we have to worry about... Uh, uh, you know, Blue Marland and, and Wahoo and San Diego Bay yet? <laughs> I don't think so, but I don't know. That's a good question, you know. Might as well worry about something. You know, if we can get green turtles, bonefish, Jack Crevel, and whatever else is in there, uh, I've got a feeling that, who knows, we might be seeing Wahoo in there before you know it. Sure, why not? You know, that's, that's all we need is see a, a nice jump in more sales of those 20 the tiger marauders just disappearing <laughs> off the shelf like crazy huh you know i i think all you need to do is when you're going in between spots from now on just troll one yeah <laughs> why not <laughs> what do we got to lose right Stan? well you know i mean look what just what chuck was 13 miles out and they got 29 of them and i don't know probably hooked at least three times that many because that's the way wahoo fishing is there could be one underneath the dock <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and Stan, we're talking about all these small uh, yellowfin that are out there and all these smaller fish, and we know the blue marlin, we know the wahoo eat these uh, smaller fish, and it could be that maybe if you get a kelp with a, a, a big selection of these, you know, 5 to 10-pound yellowfin tuna, we, there could be wahoo around that are just gathering them up and keeping them under that kelp, and that's their own personal lunchbox. Well, that's the way it works, you know. You just don't. That's why we've been preaching to the choir here for the last what month. If you're going to get out there and you get around one of those kelps and you have that small bait fish around, or the, the skipjack, or the bonita, or the little that little yellowfin tuna, or even the small dorado that have been out there, if if you see that around a kelp bed, uh, it, it's time to throw something with wire on it because you got a shot at these fish. And look at what you know. This has just been phenomenal 
what's happening here. I mean, to have the opportunity to to go out and have a shot at them alone, just on a half day boats or you know, 13 miles, it's like that 200 or 300 pound bluefin that was out there, you know, four miles off our bank, it's just a godsend for a year. This is the El Nino year, so go and try. What the heck? Well, Captain James, tell us about what's been happening on our inshore waters and off our local kelps this past week. You know, John, we're catching tuna in 90 feet of water. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you 90 feet of water? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're stripjack, but they're tuna, you know? Yeah, they yeah. are. Still, I mean, it's it's hard to believe. It's one thing to catch bonita and, you know, your yellowtail and all that. that that's kind of normal, but skipjack in 95 feet of water, you know, of course, and they're on the surface just blowing up bait like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. We'll take them. Oh, you know, and that thing fights like there's no tomorrow. On light line, that is a fun fish to catch. You betcha. You know, and, and the, the black skipjack, which, you know, they have the darker, richer meat that everybody loves to criticize skipjack for. But, you know, you, you treat them right, and that meat actually ends up tasting pretty good. Yep. So, you know, and they're, and they're tuna. Like you said, they fight good on that light line. We're out there with 20-pound test, maybe 30-pound test. And look at what we're doing. It's, it's just fantastic. Well, you know, Captain James, uh, we had Captain Chuck Taft on a little bit earlier in the show, and uh, he was telling us that uh, they went out uh, to the Coronado Islands with sardines. Have, have you found uh, any change in the bait situation since you've been going out, or have you not been going to the bait parts that often? Uh, no, John, we, we do. When we go uh, when we go around to, to fish that kind of water, you know, in the ocean, I try to stop and get bait anyway, unless I've got a customer who just doesn't want to, or if we're going bass fishing. But right now, we're it's the pelagics we're after. And, again, unless I've got someone that says, no, let's just throw iron stuff, we're going to stop and get bait. And we've been getting everything in the bait barge from small anchovies to croakers, you know, brown baits and sardines, mackerel. You just never know what you're going to get. Every time you go up there, it's, you know, it's like spinning the roulette wheel to see what happens. And all of it's good, and it's a you end up finding different ways to fish with the different baits you get and learning how to use it and make the best of it because you just never know what you're going to get. You know, Jim, one of the things you specialize on your charter is taking uh, uh, young kids out. You know, uh, uh, mom or dad comes out with a, a couple of youngins, and uh, they aren't as experienced. Uh, uh, what's some of the uh, advice that you give uh, you know, parents to do when they've got kids coming out for the first time with you and then, what what can they expect that you're going to do for them once they get on the boat? Well, I like to think that what I do, uh, I really go to work in between the bites because when the fish are biting, anybody could do my job, John. You know, you just drive a boat around, you you put some lures or baits on the line, tie a few knots, you get, get people hooked up, you net the fish. I mean, anybody could do that. But I like to think what, what makes a difference is when the fish aren't biting, okay, and one thing that kids don't like is that time. That, that's the that's the one thing that, especially younger kids, it just it just drives them nuts. That you know we're living in a society where we're raising our kids on instant gratification. I mean, you play a video game, you you get the codes right away. You're moving on to the next level in each video game, and everything's fast, 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 fast. Fishing is a time to slow down, and it's really important to teach that kid how to slow down, how to relax, how to enjoy it, how to you know, John, I get a lot of folks that have never seen a sea line before. What's the last thing we want to see when we're fishing? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. 
But hey, you know, the fish aren't biting, and there's a sea lion around, and kids are just loving it. You know, this little dogfish creature comes up that they don't see in Cincinnati. You know, it, <laughs> you, you got to learn how to appreciate that. You got to slow down, let the kid enjoy the sea lion, and then move on to where the fish are. You know, so just take your time, enjoy the birds, the cormorants. You never know what else might be out there. Let the kid enjoy enjoy the scenery and snacks. Have lots of snacks on board. Admit, you know, if you get the fish to bite and you don't have to deal with that, great. But if if the fish aren't biting, enjoy the rest of the stuff and then get onto the fish and figure out how. Why. Yeah, I do that with as a stalling tactic. With this push of warm water, has it changed like that? Because you get to do stuff that other people don't get to do, especially with the bonefish, you know, in your arena there. Uh, that's something that nobody up and down the coastline gets the chance to play with. But has that changed the, the fishery this year? Has it been more plentiful or not? Yes, Dan, you know, the bonefish have been limited as far as where we found them. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, with me getting pulled away. Uh, I haven't been on them every day, every week like normal because we've been chasing everything else. So, sure. uh, so when I hit the bay, it's almost like i got to start over and finding where they are and what they're doing. And uh, I've had the luxury of getting a few bay trips in lately with folks that are patient with that. You know, they're not calling me saying, oh, you got to guarantee me a bonefish tomorrow. No, they're not. They understand. So <laughs> these are customers that I've taken out before. They, they know how, how these bonefish can be. And so it really helps because, you know, it's the same thing with the sand bass. You know, we're, we're not finding a lot of sand bass out there right now. Uh, on our normal stomping grounds because it's just a matter of we're not after them and uh, and they've moved they're they're changing with this weather with the water the way it is with the way the bait is getting pushed around and what bait there is so it's just a matter of of kind of starting over and it's it's nice it's it's there's no phoning it in in this job well that's that's where Phil had actually brought that up too. He goes a lot of the guys some guys went out and they actually targeted calicos and, and the kelp and said it was off the hook good and everybody else is saying, So what? Um they're they're yeah. targeting other species because they have the availability to go out and catch something that they don't get a chance to catch. I mean, this is just an off the hook year. Uh, and that's given that sand bath a rest and give the calicos a little bit of a rest that you know, that too will come back into into play here, but while that other fish is around, I mean, you know, take advantage of it while we got it. Absolutely. And, you know, and the calico fishing this last week has been really good. And that's that's the part that's been funny is, you know, you put a bait down there, artificial or real or otherwise, get a bait down there and you never know if you're going to come up with a calico, a yellowtail, or even now a skipjack. So, yep, it's just it's just funky. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And we got into... Uh, a school of fish that we were vertically jigging with spoons the other day, and you could just see them stacked up, and I would have swore it was any type of pelagic fish. They were only 20 feet down. It was 95 feet of water. They were right near the surface, all calicos, and they were good, solid two- to four-pounders, too. Really? And, yeah, and they just packed <laughs> them, you know, and so they, the fish got tired and moved on. <laughs> you know, they just, is that, was that an, uh, an outgoing tide or slack tide where they just suspend? It was almost it was almost slack. It was a little boy. Yeah. The water was clear as you could believe. I mean, you could almost see the tops of the fish as you were dropping down. You didn't need the electronics. Wow, it was just great. Well, wow, Jim, how fun! I've seen a lot of videos of uh, fish working uh, balls of bait and, and and the bait just coming out of the water in waves uh, off of La Jolla, off of Point Loma. Have you seen this happening more often? That there's just 
a, a large variety of fish that are balling up this bait and working on them and gives you a chance to get in there and get them? Oh, yeah, John. Again, you just never know what, I mean, you see the bait working, uh, fish bringing them up to the surface. You, you throw either your bait or your spoons out there, and you never know what's going to come up. All right. Well, Captain James, the fish icon, uh, you know, we are in what is supposedly supposed to be the slower autumn uh, months coming on up in weeks, but we've got great weather. There's great fishing. People want to get a hold of you, find out what your schedule is, schedule a trip. How's the best way to do it? Well, they can always reach me online. There's even a link at the RodandRailRadio.com website. Uh, or you can reach me online directly at thefishicon.com, or give me a call, 619-395-0799. All right. James Nelson, the Fish Icon. Jim, thanks a lot for giving up some of your Sunday night to be with you. We look forward to talking to you next Sunday night on Rod and Real Radio. Always a pleasure, guys. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Sunday. All Good right. Jim. Hey, seems like we're playing catch-up tonight. We've been almost behind on all our schedules, but, boy, there is a lot of fishing to talk about. We're going to change gears, though, for a little bit in the next hour, at least for the first couple of segments. We're going to be talking to Billy Skinner out of uh, Arizona. Billy is a, has a really accomplished tournament angler, but he is turning his efforts in some other vocations that we'll want to hear about. So stay tuned. There's still another hour of... Ron Real Radio with Stan and Hop Along. We got a break right now. We'll be back after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks no matter what you're hauling or towing for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert now get special savings on every f-series truck in stock 150s 250s 350s at el cajon ford we have commercial trucks too including the all-new transit connect finally a commercial van with great mileage helping your business get moving again el cajon ford worth the short drive from anywhere in southern california broadway and east main and el cajon or online anytime anywhere at el H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for near shore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. 
I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons. And outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Welcome back to our Rod Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. I'm Hop Along, John Cassidy. And boy, if you missed the first hour of Rod Real Radio, I think you missed one of the most fun shows we've had in a little while. But we still have another hour to go. And before we get on to our next guest, Stan, we've got to congratulate some friends of Rod Real Radio and some fishermen here from Southern California that have done exceptionally no well. And why don't we we got to stop start off at Clear Lake where our good friend Joe Uribe Jr. he took first place in the FLW Rayovac event at Clear Lake, also won Angler of the Year honors over there. We got to congratulate Joe for uh, a job well done, but also coming in first place and fishing second in the Angler of the Year event in the AAA division or the amateur division was Rick Grover from Angler's Marine. And, boy, looking at Rick do that, it, it, it gives me faith that us old guys still have a chance. That was the first thing that I said. I go, way to go good for the old guys. You know? <laughs> I mean, well, first off, you know, Joe's dad, Joe and his, his dad fished against us growing up. And, and Joe Uribe Jr., he's a phenomenally talented young guy and, and got a Tons going for him. He's been just pretty consistent and getting better and better over the years here. Uh, so I got to say congratulations to the little little brother on that one. But to have Rick, what a great job, buddy! I'm proud of the old guys. You know, he's he's got a ton of talent. He's been fishing for a lot of years too. You know, and he he's got a son with Kyle that was an AYO uh, angler of the year also, and on uh, in years past here, and he's done very well in teaching his kids and being a. Uh, a real factor for us in the bass fishing community with the boat dealership down at Angler's Marine. So congratulations, buddy. Well done. Right. And then over at Lake Havasu, National Bass West had their year-end fish off. And, boy, we've got to hand it to the San Diego teams. They did particularly well. A big congratulations, though, to <coughs> to Tom Leadham and, uh, uh, for uh, finishing in first place over there. And uh, I've got to tell you, our next guest, he is there in Lake Havasu. He can tell us a little bit about what's happening. We brought him on for other reasons, but let's bring him on now. A lot of you uh, know this fellow if you're bass fishing. He's been on Rod Reel Radio before, a very accomplished bass fisherman, Mr. Billy Skinner. Billy, welcome to the show. What's going on, guys? <laughs> so you're going to quit fishing and give Bailey and Kerr and the boys a chance? I'm going to give him a chance. Yeah, I'm going to let him win a couple here and there. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, 
Uh, Billy, just before we get on with you, I know you were at Lake Havasu. You were talking to a lot of the guys there in that National uh, Bass West Tournament. Uh, I know that uh, Keith Gunzel and uh, uh, Tom Latham, they won it after the first day. They were in 15th place. I know they were a little disappointed, but they came roaring back with almost 22 pounds of fish to take over first place. I mean, is Havasu, is it just getting better and better as we get farther along here? Yeah, I mean, Havasu is such a good lake. And when you're in the, especially multiple day tournaments, if if you're in the top 20, it seems like you have a chance to win. Um <laughs> Just because, you know, guys that did well on the first day or second day, uh, it's very easily to stumble. And But at the same time, it's also easy to make up ground, too, because, you know, there's plenty of 20-plus-pound bags out there. It's just, the, you know, it comes down to figuring them out, locating them, and then obviously you got to put them in the boat, and we know that that can be tough sometimes. But Well, Billy, the, the reason why we invited you tonight is, you know, I, I see that you're kind of backing off a little way from tournament fishermen fishing, but you're taking on another venture. You brought with you also another special guest with you to sort of like help explain what you're doing. So why don't you get with us? Uh, tell us, uh, you know, what you're getting into and introduce your guest to us. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure what I'm getting into. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was... Um it was a weird deal. I mean, we all know uh, fishing out west has been slowing down a little bit on participation. And um, a buddy, me and my buddy, actually, we made a DVD just out of fun, uh, just to kind of show people the things that we were doing in our spare time. And it ended up catching the attention of a production company. And next thing I knew, I was getting thrown into a full-on TV show. So kind of had to put the actual tournament fishing on the back burner for a while and focus my attention on that and give it a hundred percent effort um as far as my guest today his name he's robbie blue he's one of my best friends and he's been on board with dirty missions from the get-go and uh robbie's on the phone now i don't know robbie you want to chime in a little bit yeah i'm just sitting here listening to you buddy but yeah yeah, it's it's a pretty exciting venture that we're about to embark on and we're really excited to get uh, wait till April when we first get our first show on the television. Wow! Yeah. Well, so how, I was going to say, how, how when did this come along, and how many shows have you gotten to cancel for? We, uh, I, I made, I cut the first DVD in, uh, I believe, last May, and uh, I think we've been working on this now for about five and a half months. And we've got contracts locked up, and we're set. You know, they they wanted 13 episodes. We're going to probably give them five to seven just because um, anyone that's watched any of the Dirty Mission stuff, I mean, it's it's the real deal. It's a ton of labor. And trying to document it all on camera is pretty gnarly. So you're looking at five to seven episodes, and uh, it's going to be a fun time. We're... We're, de- we're trying to change TV as far as fishing goes in the aspect that most shows on air now, you know, not talking down or, you know, talking bad about them, but they've kind of gravitated towards being 30-minute infomercials. And we're going to try to come out and just give people raw entertainment, and it's just a group of friends getting dirty, and it's, we don't stop at nothing. We go out and work our butts off to get into these backwaters and 
places nobody's ever fished and just catch big ones all day and put it on camera. Well, you know, people don't understand how hard it is to put together, you know, even to put a 30-minute film together that's going to be entertaining and, and, you know, show people how. that It's not an easy thing. It takes lots and lots of film to get that 30 minutes on, on into a show. And, and like I said, you know, get, if you have 13 in a can, that's one thing because that's what they want for for a, a quarter and and having that is that takes a lot of work so your work's cut out for you but i i agree there's not a lot on the air anymore that that uh, isn't some big just uh, an advertisement all the way through stoked on fishing with shay uh, mcintyre a lot of you guys know him and he's done a great job but he went from nothing to number one in three months because he shows just fishing what you're doing is putting a whole new bracket on it, especially in the freshwater, we're going to places where you can't get into. We're getting dirty and catching them is what we want to see. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie, uh, tell us the premise about what this is all about, because, you you know, uh, Billy uh, mentioned the name Dirty Missions, but uh, give us some of the meat of this. I mean, when, I mean, you know, we know there's a, a, a show on called Dirty Jobs, where they go to all different locations. Is this going to be the fishing equivalent to uh, uh, Dirty Jobs? Well, not necessarily, because what we're trying to do is we're, what we're doing is getting back in some waters that, you know, ain't been tapped in 20, 30 years. And it's just the dirty mission is what it takes to get back there and get it done. And we're cutting through land, dry land. We're making our own channels, basically, to get back into these backwaters where, basically, we got virgin fish. You know, I don't know where you've been fishing, but one of the areas, you know, up at the top in the mead, you know, used to go past God's pocket on the left. There was an area with his own lake back there. Um, Mm -hmm. After the river came down and, I was going, man, I, that's got to still be there. It was 90 feet deep and had, it's like its own little, you know, five-mile, not quite a couple-mile long lake, but there's areas like that all around that you could go find if you could just get to. And that's what we're working on. We're trying to get back there to those lakes. Perfect. <laughs> I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's going back to, you know, putting together one episode and the amount of work that it takes. Just to give you an example, we gave the producer, for the first episode, he had, um, I don't know if you're familiar with one terabyte on a hard drive. Yeah. We, he had one terabyte worth of footage. It was almost 170 hours of raw footage for the first episode. Wow. <laughs> so how many shows did that make? One? That made that was for one episode. That, that can show you how intense and long and hard it is per episode. I mean, it's it's everything that we shoot and everything that will be put on TV is real. You know, nothing scripted. We're putting in the hours. It's uh, it should be an epic show. I think people are really going to get on board and just have a blast watching the actual story and getting familiar with the characters that are involved with Dirty Missions. And then at the end of each episode, everybody gets to reap the benefits and watch the fishing and just have a good time. So have we adapted the uh, John boat with the jet outdrive, I mean, outboard on it? What's that? So are we, are we going to the, uh, the John boat with a jet outboard on it? 
No, believe it or not, a jet outboard would not work the places we're going. We actually have to have the just it's a standard ninety horsepower four stroke Yamaha. Um, the jet would get clogged. There's just no way. Wow! Wow! Now, you know, Billy, I, I know that you've been, uh, you know, you've really honed your skills a lot around Lake Havasu. So, are the first shores, uh, shows going to be in the Lake Havasu area, or maybe going up the uh, 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 the river itself, or doing things like going into the Bill Williams, or or what? No, none. Uh, none of the first season will be filmed on Havasu. Oh, okay. Everything, uh, for the most part. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not actually sure if I should say where we're going to be, but uh, no, nothing. nothing well, where happened. have you filmed? Let's put it that way. Where have you filmed? Uh, we've filmed a lot in Yuma, Arizona. Okay. okay. On the wow. lower Colorado River. That'll now, work. Now, in filming and and, and doing this, this show, uh, is, is there anything that you learned in the process that, all of a sudden, you took a step back and go, my, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, a lot. I, <laughs> when, I was first, when I was first approached about this, um, I was used to, me and, you know, me and my buddy, like I said, we cut that DVD on our own, and I envisioned it to be that simple. And once we started digging into this, and you have the production crew out there and all the cameramen and everything, and... Um, it's a lot of work. It's, I mean, you can't, you know, there's things you've got to do several times to make sure you have the right shot, and there's a lot of planning involved. And um, So making a DVD compared to making a television show is just insanely different, and it's a lot tougher. Um, so, I mean, other than that, everything else was good, but trying to learn the whole TV side of things was for sure uh, very difficult for me. Hey, we are speaking with uh, Billy Skinner and Robbie uh, Ballou. Uh, they are uh, producing a new series of television shows called Dirty Missions for DGF Productions. Guys, can you stay on for another segment with us? Absolutely. Hey, you're listening to Rod Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. Stan Vandenberg and myself, Hopalong, will be back after these messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter-day, full- and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. 
Call today, HDM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Captain Chris Rando from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. And we do want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. Wendy Toshihara is on a long-range trip, and she'll be back with us next Sunday night. We're talking to uh, uh, angler expert uh, Billy Skinner. You know him. We've had him on the show before. He's won a lot of fishing tournaments out here in the West. And he's teamed up with uh, Bobby Ballou, and they uh, are making a, uh, a television series that's being called Dirty Missions. And uh, I'll throw this up to uh, either you, Robbie, or, or Billy. Uh, how'd you come up with the the name? I mean, what what spurred you to come up with Dirty Missions? Well, that was something that just came natural. Uh, one of the other guys that's involved in the show, Bucky Lay, uh, that's where it all originated. Everything we did for fun when I wasn't fishing tournaments, we'd go out and what you're going to see on every episode, we would do for fun. And every time we'd leave his house, We'd you know we'd we'd be talking about hey <laughs> we're busting another dirty mission. Um, it was the best way to describe what we were doing. We're crawling in mud and muck and tuies and you know we're under dark tunnels and all kinds of stuff. So it just came natural. It was something that we just jokingly around you know we came up with. And when it came time to cut the DVD, we go you know what's what are we going to name it? And we said well I guess dirty missions. Because that's what we're doing. We're busting dirty missions. 
So, Robbie, was that, you know, did he make you just push the boat around through the slop, or <laughs> did, did he actually let you fish? Unfortunately, there was a lot of pushing the boat around the slop, and uh, we did get to do a little bit of fishing, too, so it was all, it all, it was all worth it. It's all worked out. Now, did you fish the tournaments with him during the years, too, here? Uh, over there, yeah, I, fished, I fished a little bit with him down there in Yuma and the Yuma series, but I never, I never came up here for the Havasu tournament. You know, uh, Billy, is this uh, is this a television show? Is it going to be a, a, a te- technique oriented show? Is it going to be a species oriented show? Is it going to be location oriented show, or is it just going to be a, a fun show that we got two guys going out fishing in some of the craziest places? you'd ever want to see, and uh, this is uh, the kind of success that uh, uh, they experienced. You know, it's going to be pretty much almost all that. As far as educational-wise, we're not going to sit down there and and tell you this is what we caught them on and this is why we threw it. Um, There's not going to be much of that, but just by watching, you're going to be able to learn a lot, you know? as far as that goes, the show, it's, it's a docu-reality show. I mean, it's, it's a lot. The first three segments are the story, getting in, and then, you know, the fourth segment of the show is going to be reaping the benefits and getting into the Holy Grail and, you know, just a, a group of friends having a blast catching them every cast. And um, it, it's, it's a reality show that isn't scripted, and it's not... Any, it's not an infomercial as far as fishing goes. You know what I mean? We're, we've got sponsors, but we're not going to sit there and gag people with them. We're good. Gonna, good for you. And, you know, Billy, I know you're, you're really, really popular when it comes to the, the bass fishing circles and the striper fishing circles uh, along the Colorado River chain. Uh, is this going to be something, too, where maybe on occasion you're going to be inviting a guest and uh, uh, bring them aboard and, and you guys are just going to go out and have a great time fishing. Absolutely, for sure. We're gonna we're gonna use social media down the line for uh, you know, couple episodes, hopefully for season one, and then into season two for sure. We're gonna we're gonna have contests and and see you know almost call people out. You know who's down for the dirty mission and whoever gets to come out and and shoot an episode with us. Uh, people are going to get to see the reality of however they react to that situation. It's going to be fun to take someone off the street and put them into that situation, you know, out there <laughs> pitch black and in the mud. It's so much labor, you know, you're, you're laboring for a week, two weeks sometimes. So, and then, uh, once in a while, we'll just let someone come enjoy the fishing side of it too, though. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to overwork everybody, but <laughs> we're going to have fun with it for sure. Hey, Stan, I think I'm going to look forward to seeing our invitation in the mail. What do you think? Oh, I can't wait. For one, I can't hey, wait to see the, can see the first ones. Do you know where, what channels it's going to be on? And is it going to be on DirecTV or the cable networks? Where uh, are going to be uh, where we find it, you guys? As of right now, we're contracted with the World Fishing Network, WFN. They're going to, they're going to be the major major source for our, for our show. Um there's, they they've just recently been bought out by Outdoor Channel, and you know, so there's other sister networks out there that they that they both have. So we'll have more information down the road as to exactly what channels and all that. But we will be prime time, uh, probably six days a week. It's going to be airing, so should be cool. 
Where can we uh, go to keep track on exactly uh, the progress of this project, uh, Billy? Uh, that's going to be mostly Facebook and Instagram. Just go to Dirty Missions on Facebook. We got a pretty bitching page, and um, we we try we keep it up to date a lot, uh, just with little short videos and you know all the different characters and talking about our next mission and all that and a lot of pictures. So check out Dirty Missions on Facebook. Now, is this a multi-species thing, or is this just, you know, pretty much bass fishing in different areas that you got to find a way to get back into? All right. Season one, season one is going to be bass. Um, then after that, we're we're gonna that kind of leads back to social media as well. We're gonna you know kind of throw something out there like, hey, who's got a dirty mission for us, and you know what does it entail? And uh, so, as far as species goes, it might lead into something different for sure. We're open okay. to anything. All right. Cool. Billy Skinner and uh, Bobby Ablu, uh, we want to thank you about telling us about this new project that you're on with Dirty Missions. We're going to keep track of what you're doing, and, and we hope uh, we can find time uh, to have you can find time to come on with us again and tell us how you guys are progressing. Absolutely. We'd love to, and thank yeah. you for having us on here. No, we're gonna we're going to definitely keep in touch here. This is one of those things <laughs> that is kind of a must. Uh, within the Brotherhood, watching some of you guys that are like this, where you let's go to a, take it to a different level and do something nobody else has done, that's pretty special. So that that needs its own reward, but we want to keep up with what's going on, so we want you to keep in touch with us so we can keep in touch with what you guys are doing, and maybe we can help just a little bit get the word out. Of course, sir. Well, I appreciate that, and give, give us a call anytime you want. Good All enough. Right. Billy Skinner and, again, Bobby Blue from uh, Dirty Missions. Hey, we've got to take a break right now, but coming up next in the next segment, we're going to have a fellow that caught what could arguably be one of the largest fish ever weighed in in Southern California. You're going to want to hear the story about that, but Stan and I got to do a commercial break right now. We'll be back after these messages. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASS-BOAT. Call one 800 227 
800-242-7260 or just spell Bass Boat. 1-800-BASS-BOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASS-BOAT, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler aged to earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. Aye! I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. It's tuna time, and it's time to reserve your spot on one of the newest boats in the fleet, the 70-foot Sea Adventure 2 at H&M Landing in San Diego. It has a really comfortable galley that seats up to 24 passengers with all the comforts of home, including two big satellite flat-screen TVs and satellite phone. The huge new bait tank and slammer ensure plenty of bait for everyone, and two four-ton refrigerated fish holds, both RSW and blast-free, have plenty of room to keep your catch as fresh as the minute you caught it. Reserve your spot on the Sea Adventure Venture 2 online at hmlanding.com or call H&M Landing at 619-222-1144. And welcome back to Ron Real Radio. You know, Stan Vandenberg and I, uh, we have just been amazed this past few months of some of the incredible catches that we've been hearing coming in. You can't get them all on the, on the radio, but I was able to track one down, and I think this is going to be just as interesting a story as, as some of the others have been. This gentleman went on out, and he targeted Big Marlin, and it happened that I think he cashed in on his efforts. His name is Ben Heath. He's from Ramona, California. And Ben, welcome to Ron Real Radio. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, you're welcome, welcome aboard, and, and and well done, I might say, ahead of time. But I, you got to tell us how this works. You know, your own boat, somebody else's boat. What were you thinking, and what did you use to target biggins? How's well, that? Let, let, <laughs> let's start by by setting the pace here. This this isn't fishing at this point in time, guys. This is this is what I like to call controlled chaos. Forty miles offshore. <laughs> In a 25-foot boat with four guys that just like to fish. Um, you know, <laughs> this uh, this particular trip, we started heading out out of uh, Mission Bay uh, with the intent to, to catch marlin. Um, you know, the, the group that I fished with on this boat, we uh, we started reading these reports and seeing that this this could be a possibility right here in our backyard. Um, and I and I you know called these guys up and said, hey, you know, let's let's make this happen. Um, we left. Oh gosh! Six in the morning, skipped the bait barge, and pointed the boat toward the toward the nine mile bank, and we worked there for about I don't know five hours, six hours, and uh, we didn't see anything. We saw some life, no bites, no fish, no nothing. But uh, I made the call to head head further west of the forty three about noon, and um, we changed some stuff in the spread kept our eyes on it, made sure our lures were looking good back there, and, and as soon as we cleared the corner... All right, hold on just a second. We're going to stop right there with the spread. Explain that, and tell us what you had in the spread. Okay, well, um, you know, we're not experts. We're learning as we go. Um, you got to spread behind the boat. This is a science. Uh, we ran five liters, um, or excuse me, five rigs. Um, I've got two outriggers on this particular boat as well. Um, we put our heaviest, our biggest jig 
um, close to the boat and our lighter ones out out in cleaner water where they could be more visible to the fish. And um, the idea here is to, to tease the fish with the smaller and bring them into the bigger one in the, in the closer to the boat. Um, our particular jig that was hit was on our short outrigger on my port side, and that happened to be a, a black Bart uh, rock plunger in a blue and pink coloration, and that was a double hook setup. That makes sense, blue and pink for blue and that that works. <laughs> so, so where were you? You you left the the nine mile, headed for the forty three, and and you were there for how long? Were you were just kind of was it a blind strike? What happened? Oh, oh, absolutely. We were we were maybe two miles past the corner um, when we saw an extreme coloration change in and temperature change in the water, which was for the better. Uh, we went you know from a from a blue to a deep deep blue purplish water. And we were seeing temps about 75 degrees on the meter. Um, maybe 20 minutes in, we got a strike on that on that outrigger. Um, you know, it was funny how it happened. I had uh, I had hit the uh, autopilot on the boat and went out on deck. And sure enough, I look up and, and here's the fish coming barrel rolling over the side of this lure. It was quite a spectacular sight. Wow. Now this is the this was that big the, your big fish that just came up and and all of a sudden you just he's there and now you're on autopilot at the time oh nobody oh, yeah. at the wheelhouse nobody on the wheel <laughs> we had uh, even better we had one we had a few guys on on the bow of the um, on the bow of the boat looking for kelp and working and uh, myself and one other on the deck and like I said I just happened to to glance up and and see the crash on the lure, and it was just, it was all, it was on at that point in time. It was on. <laughs> now, what what rig did you have it on, and tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the fight. Okay, the, well, the gear that we, we, we chose for this particular uh, trip was, uh, we were running out at 50 wides, um, you know, and I, I we had at least 1,000 yards on each school. Yep. Um, and, and, boy, we were lucky that we did that because, as soon as that fish hit, you know, I went for the, I dropped whatever was in my hands. I don't even remember what I was doing, but I went for the, I went for the stick. And, you know, previously to this, we, we were the, we were the ones looking like idiots out in the front yard the night before setting our drag with the harness. And, and, you know, and, you know, that was nice to, to rub it in the neighbor's faces after they saw us looking like idiots the night before, but we, we were about 28 pounds on strike, uh, and, and set us about 38, 39, almost 40 pounds at full on these rigs. Yep. So you can, you know, I saw 800 yards plus leave that reel in under a minute. So you can just imagine how, how big of a fish we're talking about here. Well, you had a hundred yards in, in seconds, literally, because he, when you're talking about a fish that big and you've got, you got a thousand yards on that reel. Uh, yeah. Or 700, let's say you had 700 yards on it or, or whatever it is, depending on when you saw that fish cat hit the bait and it was, let's say, 50 yards off the boat when it when it angled sideways because they come up and turn, yeah. and that thing starts screaming, you still got to stop the boat. That hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so by the no, time no. <laughs> we, we, uh, we, boat control is 50, 50%, maybe more of the equation when you're doing this. This is a team effort for sure. I mean... You know, I, I, I've been reading these guys, these reports of these guys going out solo in bass boats and coming back with three, 400-pound marlin. Those are the true heroes. I don't know how the heck anybody would be able to do that. Um, you know, we had, like I said, we had three plus myself on this boat, 
Um, and I, I ran the boat for the for the majority of the fight. And we put we put my cousin Matt Bell. He's he's the biggest guy out of the crew. We put him on the fish, and um, you know he handled it. He handled it real well. And uh, you know Dave and Dan, those guys on the boat as well. We had we we scrambled, and like I said earlier, it was absolute controlled chaos from that point that that fish took that lure to the end when we got into the boat. That's great stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just wanted to go out and want to catch one because everybody wants to catch one. There's a lot of guys out there going, I want to go catch one of those blue marlin. To go out there, target the fish, cross your fingers, but have everything, you know, having the gear rigged, I don't care how you, you cut it. I've, I'm in the front yard pulling stuff off of the back of my truck all the time, so don't let that bug you. <laughs> That's just part of the gig. But to be able to go out there, target the fish, find the color break and the temperature break and run that and have it come to fruition is stellar. But congratulations, that's the way it should happen to every every fisherman. Absolutely. And, you know, to have family on the boat, uh, you know, these guys these guys that I fish with have been in the family for 30-plus years. We, we, we couldn't have asked for a better day, a uh, fish of our lifetime for sure. But, um, you know, that, that being said, you know, we changed out all our rigging today. I got home this afternoon after three, four hours down at the shop, and we bumped it up. We're running 530-pound liters now. We're, we're bumping up our baits, and we, we want the grander on the boat. Wow. Well, you know, there's a good shot of it being out there. What Now, you've got a 75-foot boat, you said? No way. I've got a 25-foot parker. <laughs> oh, I, been, I didn't hear how big the boat was. It was a 25-footer oh, yeah. you were running? 25-20 Parker Pilot House, yep. Holy cow, that's even better. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about this fight. When, when is the first time you really realized what you had on? Did the fish come out of the water, and uh, how long was the struggle? You know, this this story gets even better, and it's hard to tell because some people might not believe us, but we... Um, you know, as soon as we as soon as we had the fish on, um, we knew right away we had a marlin for sure. The the rate that was coming off that spool, we knew exactly what what we had on. The sheer size of the fish that was still in question in everybody's head. I can I can assure that. Um, you know, as as soon as we had the fish on, we fought that fish for maybe the first twenty five thirty minutes um, in the rod holder. Um, it was it was. That rod was bent so much we didn't we didn't even try to pull it out of the rod holder uh, for the first maybe half hour of the fight. Um, but the uh, you know the choreography between the guys out on the deck and myself uh, running the boat it couldn't have gone any better. Um, you know it sounds like they're yelling at me, but they're just shouting orders and, and everybody did their job. Um, we backed down on that fish. We, we, we kept the bend in the rod, kept the line tight, and and we landed that thing. It was uh, it was phenomenal. It really was. Well, you know, you've got to really, you do have to have a choreographed team to get that done. It's not an easy thing when something like that hits. You've got other baits that are in the water. You've got to pull them out. You've got to get that stuff out of the way and then get the guy that's on the reel uh, to, keep, to keep that thing, one, in somewhat of control. And he's got to tell you which way to go, too, because you got to, you kind of have to watch where you're going. It's not just, okay, it's random, I can just turn. No, you've got to watch what's happening with him and watch the water in front of you. The other guys that are that are there are are helping to make sure that he's going to be okay if he's turning the turning the handle on that reel because you're not going to pull the reel just up out of that uh, rod holder and, and just be able to you know let's pass it around and set it into a fighting chair or something like that. It doesn't work like oh, yeah. that on a 25 footer, especially on that pilot house. It's a nice boat, but 
you know, you're you're still pretty short as far as trying to tuck your knees underneath the rail there. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite an event that took place. But uh, you know, we're we're real anxious to get back out there and 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 get a bigger one. Um, we've been watching the reports and. And we're, you know, for all we know, somebody could be dragging a bigger fish in right now to the to the marlin scale here in San Diego. We just, we just, I mean, it's the sky's the limit right now. The season's been incredible. How long were you on this fish? Oh man, it was short. It was very short given the size of this fish. I'd say forty five minutes to an hour, if that. Um, and and you know, again, it's got to be it's got to be the right tackle, the right gear, the right rigging, and we were at the right spot at the right time followed up by an awesome crew we you know like i said these guys we all came together and and we made it happen but um everybody that asks me you know they're they're expecting five six seven hours and when i tell them 45 minutes they're just floored um but you know we we backed down on that fish pretty hard and and we whipped its butt well the other part is too you know you you, that's a talent you can't just kind of negate there you're you're running the boat and knowing how to back down, when to go forward, when to come alongside that fish, and then when your crew gets up there, when it gets short to the boat, that's when it really gets to be a challenge because that thing, that it's, it's a lot of fish when you're talking 600 pounds. And when it's next to that 25-footer, you're going, man, this is as big as the boat. looks like it in the water anyhow. Literally, yeah. I mean, the, the 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 bill was almost past the front of the pilot house, and I look back on the way home, and the tail's hanging out past the outboard bracket. You know, um, the the fish came in at six hundred and seventy four point two pounds, and I think thirteen feet eleven inches length overall. It was it, it was it was quite the fish. Yeah, it was it was a long drive home, and there was absolutely no way we were getting this fish on the boat. No way. So you old man to seed this thing back in too? <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, that's two weeks in a row we'd have the old man in the sea. <laughs> this, this is the young man in the sea. You know, t- tell us, when you when you got that fish to color and you looked down and you saw, was that the first time you really saw what the fish looked like? Yeah, when we when we, when we we were leadering this fish in, you know, and, and able to, to, to grab that leader and pull this closer to the boat, and I came out of the house, uh, uh, you know, we had the boat idle forward still, and, and I glanced over the side of this boat and I went, oh, my God. This fish, fish is coming home with us. We're heading to the Marlin scale. <laughs> so, or, you know, I mean, the going to the Marlin with club. a flying gaff first? Oh, yeah, that's another story for you. The flying gaff failed, and uh, we, we quickly resorted to our, our bamboo sticks with a tiny little, I don't know, tuna sticks. You're tuna. kidding. Yeah, oh, yeah, we had to we had to make something work because that flying gaff failed. So, um, you know, we, we stuck one under the belly toward the head and, and grabbed, grabbed another one on the tail, and tail roped it um and and uh you know that worked it was it's something i don't want to have to do again because those you get a fish that big and you get a it's a toothpick in your hand at that point in time oh, so, man i can't even i can't i'm not fathoming me what happened with the flying gaff let's go back uh, to that uh, yeah we had we had uh <laughs> we had a mishap with the uh that uh um, I think it was probably 20-pound test on that flying gaff, and it probably had aged for a while. Uh, interesting story behind that. We had purchased that thing days before, and we were so focused on our gear, so focused on making sure everything was perfect with those jigs and those uh, the rigging on the jigs and those uh, those avids. We completely skipped um, going through that flying gaff, and we should have checked it, but um, it, it, it failed. We, uh, we, now we know better. 
Well, you know, talk, <laughs> wow. talking about knowing better, you had that fish up to the scales, and, man, you created uh, a lot of stir there at the Marlin Club. Tell us a little bit about uh, coming in with that fish and weighing it in. We had, we, we were on the radio talking maybe 11-foot fish, 400 pounds. That was our guess. And, you know, on the radio, we're trying to get in touch with um, somebody at the Marlin Club because at this point in time, you know, the sun's setting. It's coming up on 3, 4 in the afternoon, and, and I've got to cruise 8 knots the whole way home with this fish on the side of the boat. So it took us, you know, it took us four and a half hours to get back to port. Um, what time did you start back? We started back about mm, four o'clock, maybe. Whew. Yeah, so we pull into port about I don't know eight thirty nine o'clock, and and there's a crowd waiting for us. It was uh, we didn't expect that, and everybody comes running down the dock, you know, plugging their ears, screaming at us to plug your ears, and I'm thinking, what is what is this about? And uh, they shot a cannon off. I guess it's tradition over there. Um, <laughs> every time you bring a Marlin Club into the San Diego Marlin Club, they, they shoot a cannon. So that was that was quite the experience. So, uh, you know, bring some headphones or some ear, earplugs next time if you guys up and catch a Marlin out of San Diego. <laughs> so, you, know, you, were, you were saying you were trying to get hold of someone at the Marlin Club. You thought you might be inconveniencing someone by uh, calling in and, and telling them that you got a fish that you bring in, and the next thing you know, there's a crowd down there uh, cheering you on. Oh, absolutely. We're trying to make arrangements in our heads. You know, how are we going to deal with this fish when we get back in? And, and um, we're trying to call friends and, and get an army ready to handle this thing. And, and uh, the Marlin Club, those guys really came over for us and helped us out, um, loaded the fish for us, and... Um, uh, after after the the weigh in and everything, we were on our way. And next next morning, we had the fish processing, you know, waiting for them to open. So they uh, they helped us out big time. All right. Now, yeah, you know, the short time we have left, uh, Ben, you told me though that this experience really changed you. And 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 tell us uh, how it did and in what way. Well, you get a real big respect for this 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 species in particular, and and the big game fish, and and you know, the people that target them. Um, you know, I've learned, I've learned leaps and bounds of information just from going in the tackle shops and, and talking to total strangers. Um, you know, the, I, I could spend four or five hours a, a day over there talking to people who target Marlin. They're a different breed. And, and these guys um, that helped us out just, just, just in sharing the knowledge that they've had in their 20, 30 years' experience Probably made the pretty big difference that we had, and gave us the the the, the know how to deal with what we had at the boat uh, on that day. You know, and the, you get this fish to the boat, and you realize you, you touch it for the first time, and, you, and and how big and magnificent these things are. You know, preservation of these things is is absolutely ideal. I'd, I'd love for my kids' kids to eventually one day go out and experience this too. Um, it was it was absolutely phenomenal, fish of a lifetime for sure. Oh, and the Marlin Club, you said uh, you found out from all, there's a lot of techniques and procedures and things that you can do that, hey, uh, try and keep these fish alive so when you bring them to leader, you can release them because of the majestic creatures that they are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're, they have um, they have on their website all kinds of stuff that I've been reading on, on um, getting an accurate weight and proper documentation and as far as i'm concerned they'll count that you know they'll they'll let you do that and and bring your evidence to show what you did and and they'll count that for um 
recording. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's another avenue, you know. Well, tell us, in, in the season, 2015, uh, is that uh, your first and last Marlin of the year, or is this going to be a regular thing for you as long as you can uh, get out there and find them? I already called Don, and he started the paperwork for my membership, so I can, I can assure you this is not my last Marlin. Um, no, we're... we're we're the, the, the crew and I are really, really motivated and, and excited to get back out there and, and do it again. So um, we're, we're planning on fishing the tournaments next season and, um, and putting some more on the board. Just now, curious while I'm, you know, I'm thinking about this, what kind of a rod was that on? It was probably maxed out in itself, too, but what did you hook it on? That was a Phoenix Black Diamond Hybrid, and that thing, you know, I don't have any complaints. That thing, that thing did its job. That was the least of our worries with, with the rod. Well, it could have been, depending on what you hooked it on, because we didn't get to that part. We didn't ask that part earlier, but that's good to know. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, you know, such a sensational story. We want to thank you very much for sharing it with us, and uh, we hope you, uh, we, Stan and I and Wendy and all the listeners, we want to wish you good fishing in this upcoming season. Sounds like you're going to be out there to get them again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We will. Now, tell us uh, just one last thing. Happened to mention, and, and someone may mention to you, that this was uh, one of the largest fish that had ever been weighed in there at the Marlin Club? Yeah, this is, um, you know, like I said in the beginning, we, were, we, were not, we weren't trying to break records. We were, we were four guys looking to go fish Marlin. That's it. And what we brought back was the biggest fish that's ever seen the Marlin Club scale. It's the biggest fish that's ever been brought into San Diego. Uh, so, that being said, you know, uh, I, I got to get back out there and, and and top that, top my own record, top top the agitator's record. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, Ben Heath, Ben is just an average putz like the rest of us, went out there, got himself prepared, and caught a fish of a lifetime. Ben, we want to thank you very much for getting out there and closing any parting words to our listening audience oh just uh, I, you know nothing right now except go fishing that's all i have to say is go fishing 2015's been been an incredible year and and uh, as far as i know it's, it's still going so go fish <laughs> all right well done amigo well done ben thanks a lot for being with us and giving up some of your sunday night to share your story all right thanks a lot guys appreciate it all right hey well stan that's it. Man, what an exciting show, hearing about all these fish. We're, we're going to have to get out there and get into it ourselves. You know, it's just one thing after the other. I mean, I'm waiting for next week to find out what happens. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, we're way over schedule, so we got to say goodnight to everyone for tonight. So we want to thank JR, our AM540 producer, for uh, pushing all the buttons and making these connections for us. Ben Harvey, thanks a lot for putting together the show and the format that we have. And always, in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McEwen, thank you for this legacy of Rod and Reel Radio that you've left us. So on behalf of Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshihara, I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. We look forward to speaking to you next Sunday night starting at 5.05 p.m. on AM540. Go out and get them. They're getting away. We look forward to seeing you on the water. We're out for now. Keep safe.